Hello and welcome to Just a Guy and His Journey Back to God. So today we're in Psalm 69 and we're doing the second part of it. Um, but before we go go there, let's let's go to God in prayer. Father, I thank you for today and for the many blessings. I thank you for for not giving up on me, for the way you just keep forgiving me, strengthening me, picking me up, helping me move forward when I don't want to. And Lord, I just pray that as we go and read your word again today, I just pray that you, Holy Spirit, would talk to us. That be your wisdom, your understanding that we would gain. I pray that my heart would be softened and that I would truly open my heart and my spirit to you and to what you have to say. I just pray for you to be the one that speaks, that there be nothing from me and everything from you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So if you remember if you remember from Friday, I was supposed to go and do this part two on Saturday. And I have to admit, I didn't want to. I basically was in a major league funk, and I've been kind of in one for a little bit. Um, I'm not happy with being single. I'm kind of missing my kids. And uh, anyway, so just there's been a lot there, and I've definitely done a very good job of feeling sorry for myself. And so Saturday and Sunday, I basically just gave into it. Um, Saturday, drank too much. Um, and just basically hardened myself from doing it because doing this, because I'm like, yeah, you're worthless. Who, who's going to listen to you? And just really didn't want to do it. And then at the Sunday, went to church, made sure I went there and heard a really good message and was fired up until I got home. And then when I got home, it really wasn't much different than Saturday. Unfortunately, my heart was hardened. My mind was closed and I just wasn't feeling good. So I didn't do it. And, you know, it's one of those things. It's just like I, there's no excuse. There's nothing justifiable. I didn't have anything bad happen to me. I just got into a funk and didn't want to leave. And so the end result was I didn't do what I said I was going to do. And, uh, for that, I, um, I apologize. I apologize to you guys. I also apologize to God because this is for him. It's not for anything else and anyone else. This is strictly for him. So we're in part two of Psalm 69, where we're looking at some of the scriptures that point towards Jesus from this, this, uh, chapter and how they were used in the new Testament and whatnot. So let's go ahead and, uh, let's go ahead and just, you know, jump back into, let's read Psalm 69 verse one. Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in the miry depths where there is no foothold. You see, when I read this this morning, I really felt like, dude, you should have read this on Saturday because it's exactly how I felt. I felt like I was barely treading water, that the w- water was over my head, and that I was sinking. V- verse 2 goes on. I have come into the deep waters. The floods engulf me. 
I am worn out calling for help. My throat is parched. My eyes fail looking for my God. Those who hate me without reason outnumber the hairs of my head. Many are my enemies without cause. Those who seek to destroy me, I am forced to restore what I did not steal. You, God, know my folly. My guilt is not hidden from you. Lord, the Lord Almighty, may those who hope in you not be disgraced because of me. And see, I can relate to that because I've failed so many times and my family knew I was a believer. My family looked at me as a leader of our family on a spiritual basis. I remember thinking, I am screwing up their walk because of me. And so I can relate to David when he says, may those who seek you not be put to shame because of me. I can totally relate to that. And I was relating to it this weekend. I was part of my funk was I was feeling bad about stuff I had done in my life in the past years and years ago, how I had failed my family and failed others. Verse 7, for I endure scorn for your sake, and shame covers my face. I am a foreigner to my own family, a stranger to my own mother's children. For zeal for your house consumes me, and the insults, at, the insults of those who insult you fall on me. And when I weep and fast, I must endure scorn. When I put on sackcloth, people make sport of me. Those who sit at the gate mock me, and I am the son of the drunkards. But I pray to you, Lord, in the time of your favor, in your great love, O God. Answer me with your sure salvation. Rescue me from the mire. Do not let me sink. Deliver me from those who hate me from the deep waters. Do not let the flood waters engulf me, or the depths swallow me up, or the pit close its mouth over me. You see, I don't turn to God necessarily when I feel like people are persecuting me or, or hating me. Instead, I just get pissed and I, be, I lash out. And what I need to do is really turn to him. Because ultimately, when I'm feeling sad or I'm feeling depressed, it's really part of that process. And I have to turn to God and not just try to solve things myself, not just do what has made me, makes me, you know, releases endorphins or whatever, things I've done in the past. I need to turn to him when I'm not feeling good. Verse 16, answer me, Lord, out of the goodness of your love in your great mercy, turn to me. Do not hide your face from your servant. Answer me quickly for I am in trouble. Come near and rescue me. Deliver me because of my foes. You know how I am scorned, disgraced, and shamed. All my enemies are before you. Scorn has broken my heart and has left me helpless. I looked for sympathy, but there was none. For comforters, but I found none. They put gall in my food and gave me vinegar for my thirst. May the tablet set before them become a snare. May it become retribution and a trap. May their eyes be darkened so they cannot see and their backs be bent forever. Pour out your wrath on them. Let your fierce anger overtake them. May their place be deserted. Let there be, be no one to dwell in their tents. For they persecute those who wound and talk about the pain of those you hurt. Charge them with crime upon crime. Do not let them share in your salvation. May they be blotted out of the book of life and not be listed with the righteous. 
But as for me, afflicted and in pain, may your salvation, God, protect me. And I can, again, relate to that. I feel like, oh my gosh, I am just being completely afflicted. I feel like a complete failure. God, can you please use me? Can you please protect me? But what I don't then do is what verse 30 says, which is, I will praise God's name in song and glorify him with thanksgiving. Instead, I just sit there and think about circumstances. This will please the Lord more than an ox, more than a bull with its horns and hooves. The poor will see and be glad. You who seek God, may your hearts live. The Lord hears the needy and does not despise his captive people. Let heaven and earth praise him the seas, and all that move in them. For God will save Zion and rebuild the cities of Judah. Then people will settle there and possess it. The children of his servants will inherit it, and those who love his name will dwell there. So I really, looking at this, it's what I should have followed Saturday and Sunday. I should have gone and praised him when I didn't feel good. When I felt like the waters were overtaking me and I was sinking to the depths I should have praised him should have turned on the music but instead I watched football I watched cooking shows or I just went outside and did stuff and tried to be forget things ignore it but the reality is is when you're not feeling good about things it's hard to ignore those things and you shouldn't you should have addressed them head on so as we read through this there's still some parts that basically the New Testament authors they wrote about that they incorporated and said, see, this is part of the prophecies of Jesus. So when we read in verse 22 and 23, where it says, may the table be set before them become a snare, may it become retribution and a trap. May their eyes be darkened so they cannot see and their backs be bent forever. In a, in Romans eleven nine. And 10, it talks about that. And it says, And David says, May their table become a snare and a trap, a stumbling block, and a retribution for them. May their eyes be darkened so they cannot see and their backs be bent forever. And you see, this is where prior to that, in verse 7 of Romans 11, it says, What then, what the people of Israel sought so earnestly, they did not obtain. The elect among them, the elect among them did, but the others were hardened, as it is written. God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes that could not see and ears that could not hear to this very day. And it's interesting because today in the, in the world, with what's going on with um, so much with Israel and whatnot, people are like, oh, don't they see that the biblical prophecies are being fulfilled? Well, no, they don't because their eyes are not open. Now, if we go to verse 25, it says, may their place be deserted. Let there be no one to dwell in the tents. Acts 1 verse 20 says, For, said Peter, it is written in the book of Psalms, May may his place be deserted, and let there be no one to dwell in it. So Peter's pointing towards Jesus and that it was talked about beforehand. He was talked about beforehand in the Psalms. And then lastly, I'm sorry, not lastly, in Verse 26, where it says, For they persecute those you wound and talk about the pain of those you hurt. Isaiah is, is, addresses this, and 
reading in the MacArthur Bible commentary, it says those hostile to the psalmist were ridiculing him as one suffering from God's chastisement. In his messianic application, the suffering of the Messiah was a part of God's plan from eternity past. So in Isaiah 53.10, it says, Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offering and prolong his days. I'm sorry, he will see his, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. <clears throat> so Isaiah was talking about Jesus way before Jesus was ever born. And lastly, in verse 31, where it says, This will please the Lord more than an ox, more than a bull with his horns and hooves. In Psalm 51, 16, it's written, You do not delight in, sa- in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. And I think about that, and you know, we talk about pick up our cross and carry it, and we read all about the offerings. But is my life that offering? Hebrews 9.11 says, But when Christ came as high priest of the good things that are now already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not made with human hands. That is to say, is not a part of this creation. Verse 12 goes on. He did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. You see, Christ didn't go through the typical approach of purification and sanctification, where he had goats and oxen and everything else. Nope. It was his own blood. God was the sacrifice. Not a cow. Not sheep. Not doves. He goes on with in Hebrews 10, verses 9 through 12. Then he said, Here I am. I have come to your will. I've come to do your will. He set aside the first to establish the second. And by that will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when the, this priest has offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. And sit, since that time, he waits f- for his enemies to be made his footstool. You see, <clears throat> the priest of the past did sacrifice after sacrifice. When I keep going back and sinning and I keep saying, oh, God, you need to forgive me again. You need to, you know, forgive me, accept me back in. I'm asking him to die again. There is no need for that. Yes, I need to be sad that I I sinned. But Jesus already forgave me. He forgave me once and for all. He forgave all of us. I don't need him to go back on that cross every single day and re-purify me, to die for me again for those new sins. But what I need to do is follow examples of people like David. What I need to do is, even though I sin, to turn back to him, like David always did. At church yesterday, the pastor said, David wasn't a perfect man. In fact, he was, did some very awful things. But the key was, is he always turned back to God and ask for forgiveness 
and move forward. He begged for God. He was passionate for God, even when he was a man and failed. And I just pray so much that that would be me, that as I fail, as I'm like sitting and wallowing in my self-pity, that I would turn to God instead, because he is the one who loves me. He knows what's best for me. And I need to trust him instead of me trying to work things out on my own. He has a plan. I just need to rest, which as you know, if you've been following me, resting in God is quite a challenge for me. So with that, let's go back to God and pray. Father, thank you for today and thank you for your mighty word. Thank you for the great example of David. And I just thank you for your forgiveness that you've washed me clean so many years ago when I became your, your child. When I ask for forgiveness, I just thank you that not more offerings have to be done and provided. But I pray, Father, as we go about our days, that our hearts and our minds would be focused on you, that my mind and heart would be focused on you, that you, Holy Spirit, would guide my direction, my steps, my tongue. I hate the swearing because it indicates my heart is not right. And so, Father, I just pray that I would be able to grow and love you with my whole being so that I could love others as myself. I praise you and I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks for joining me at Just a Guy and His Journey Back to God. I hope you have a great day.